0: Hello folks, this is Dave Borges, Yukon men's basketball beat writer for Hearst Connecticut Media. This is the Yukon Report podcast where we talk all things Yukon basketball and of course the, the Huskies, the, the men, have not played uh, basketball for more than two weeks now since a, a nice road win at Marquette on December 21st. But we're hoping that they will return to the hardwood on on Saturday at noon at the Prudential Center against a very good Seton Hall team and. With us today, with that in mind, is uh, a man who covers Seton Hall for NJ.com. He also uh, is a contributor to the New York Times, and he, he runs his own blog, Zagsblog.com, in which he covers a lot of things, uh, a lot of recruiting, even a little rock and roll and a little tennis sometimes, I think. Adam Zagoria. Z-
1: Zags, how you doing today, man? Doing great, Dave. How's the weather up there in uh, chilly Connecticut? You got some snow or what?
0: No snow, just a lot of black ice this morning. Um Fortunately, I didn't have to drive anywhere, but uh, it's pretty brutal. And they are supposed to get a big storm on Friday, I guess, too.
1: Yeah, we're going to get some snow and ice here in New York. And, you know, when I see all these people out on the roads and traffic jams and car crashes, I, I just ask myself, like, how many of these people really need to be driving? I mean, my one word of advice would be if you absolutely do not need to be driving in weather like that, you should just stay home. Right, no question. Hey, well,
0: we are saying we were talking that we we're talking right now at noon on Wednesday. The reason I bring that up is because uh, we got to hopefully have a game on Saturday. Between now and then, lots of things could change. But as things look right now, uh, it looks to like UConn and Seton Hall have a, have a pretty good chance of playing the game. Dan Hurley told us last week, I think you were on his Zoom call, that he expects to be able to field the team for that game. Maybe Maybe down a couple of players. We don't know who yet but they'll have at least the seven scholarship guys and the, and the, um, the coaches they need to, uh, to play the game. Dean Hall, of course, has been back in action after a pause uh, from three games of the past week, including last night. Um, <laughs> so let's get the games that go. What do you, what are you hearing Zags on the Hall Holland?
1: Well, I think it's, um, unfortunately, we're in this COVID situation here, Dave, where teams, you know, get, they get players sick and they go into a pause and then certain guys, you know, get quarantined and, while Seton Hall is getting guys back, you know, it looks like they're catching UConn at a time when, you know, at least when we last talked to Danny, Yukon is not gonna have their full team. So, you know, Seton Hall lost to Villanova and Providence in back to back games without their two key big guys, Ike Obiagu, seven foot two center, and Tyrese Samuel, who's a six ten four man. And, you know, they, they both games were close and they should I guess take moral victories if they were close, but they lost those games. And then, you know, they got Ike back last night, Tuesday night, against Butler. And that was a huge, you know, moral boost. And also he played well with eight points and a couple blocks and a few rebounds. So that's a huge boost for Seton Hall going into this Yukon game. And if they can get Tyree Samuel back, who's averaging almost eleven points and seven boards, you know, then they'll really have their whole team. Um, against what, you know, maybe an incomplete UConn team.
0: Yeah. So, no, I think on the TV broadcast last night, they were saying Samuel was back in Canada, maybe been stuck in Canada or something like that. But I think since then, I think there's been some reports that have refuted that and that he's even back on campus. Um, the best of your knowledge is do you expect uh, Tyrese Samuel to play on Saturday?
1: I, I think he's going to play. It's funny. I heard them say that too, and I checked with his. Um high school coach in Canada who said he was back at Seton Hall and he was being evaluated on Tuesday. Um, You know, Kevin Willard, it's interesting. It would be a good journalism 101 lesson for some journalism students covering Kevin because he says a lot of things. He really overplays injuries and says guys are going to be out for a long time. He doesn't know when they're going to be back. And then lo and behold, you know, they're playing the next game. So, Um, he said he has to see how Tyrese feels and Tyrese was in a a hard quarantine for 10 days, whereas Ike was able to work out and practice. Um, so I, I think Tyrese probably plays on Saturday.
0: Kevin sounds like sort of the opposite of a, of a certain, uh, Seton Hall alum who's now a coach who, um, will be matching wits with Kevin on Saturday. Dan, Dan, you know, Dan with the injury stuff, particularly last year was tough at book night, you know, could be back soon. He could be back next week. And then it kept pushing on back and back. And there were a lot of issues involved with that. And But uh, it seems that with injuries, it's it's always a tricky thing with Dan. Uh, you know, when he says he think a guy might be back, usually you might, might want to put, push that back a couple of games to team But, you know, coaches deal with it in different ways. It's tough. And sometimes they really don't have like, – really can't even give you a straight answer because they don't know the uh, what's going on exactly, you know?
1: Yeah, and, I mean, unfortunately, <laughs> kind of the subtext of this is that you know, Miles Powell, who's a former Seton Hall star, obviously, Dave, you covered him. You know, he sued Kevin personally and Seton Hall, um, claiming they misdiagnosed an injury and it affected his professional career. So that's a whole separate story. But I think since then, Kevin's been, you know, really gun shy and hesitant to uh, even comment on injury matters.
0: Yeah, I had forgotten about that with Miles Powell. So that's a great point. Uh, so maybe that is why Kevin's a little gun shy with that. You know, Zags, I've, I've been really impressed with the Hall this year, at least when they were full complement of players. They, um, non commerce their only loss was to Ohio State, uh, neutral floor, I think it was about three or four points. Ohio State, I think, ranked like 12th or 13th in the country now, obviously a very good team. You know, they, they won at Michigan, which <laughs> at the time looked like a pretty good win. Now, maybe not as great, but uh, beat Cal, beat Texas, um, beat Rutgers. They really look to me like one of the most complete teams in the Big East, if not the most complete team. Um, and then, of course, the uh, the COVID situation hit with them. Uh, you know, the, the start of the Big East season, losing the first two games. Um, you mentioned the loss of those two guys. Let's talk about Obiazu in particular. What do they miss with him? I mean, I think it's pretty obvious what the answer is, but we saw him last year against UConn, really completely ineffective offensively. But he he's really a force defensively, obviously, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, just uh, if I could just kind of make a big picture point I, before we get to that, you know, two years ago when the tournament was shut down by coronavirus, um, you know, Seton Hall had this team with Miles Powell and Romero Gill, Quincy McKnight. That could have been as high as like a three seed in the tournament, as you know, they want to share of the Big East that year, along with Villanova and Creighton. Um, and then, we'll you know, we'll never know how that Seton Hall team would have done. Obviously, the tournament was canceled. And now here we are two two years later. And I'm not saying they're going to be a three seed, but Seton Hall has kind of a similar type of team where they have, you know, a big guy. They had Romero Gill that year. Now they've got Obiagu and Tyrese Samuel, a couple big guys. They've got a lot of experienced wings and guards, you know, fourth and fifth year guys who got, came back for a fifth year like Miles Kale or Bryce Sakin or transfers, um, Jameer Harris. You know, Jared Roden's been there all four years. So Kevin's got – I think this is probably the deepest team he's had in the you know time I've been covering them. And, you know, like you said, I think only a handful, three teams maybe, Duke, Gonzaga, and Seton Hall, have two top ten wins, although the Michigan win, obviously, they're out of the top ten. Um, you know, as far as Ike, you know, he's uh, – you know, the, the dude is seven foot two, and just his mere presence in the lane, like last night against Butler, when he stands in the lane and, you know, puts his arms out and extends his arms – you know, either across or above his head, you know, he's just changing a lot of shots. Uh, he's averaging almost three blocks a game. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, when you're that size, you really should be able to score eight or ten points every game just on dunks and putbacks and, you know, you know rim lobs. Um, so last night he did have eight points and a couple blocks and rebounds. So that's, you know, if you could get that from him every game, that's a huge addition and then, like we said, Tyrese is a really more of an offensive player who can score in a number of ways, and is averaging almost 11 points a game.
0: If those guys, if those guys are there for uh, the Providence and Villanova games, do they do they win uh, one or two of those games?
1: You think? I would think so. I mean, I would think so, right? I mean, they, you know, they they couldn't stop Villanova in the paint down the stretch, and they really were they were up in that game uh, uh, in the final minutes, and and just couldn't close it out. I mean, Villanova's obviously really good. But, you know, Jameer Harris missed a three. Um, you know, I think the Providence game was also close. So, so yeah, I think they, they could have won one of those. And, um, it, you know, like Kevin said, after the game, it's early. I'm not worried about my team. We'll be where we need to be, you know, at the end of the season. And, uh, you know, they got started with Butler. And obviously, they're looking to get to two and two with a win over UConn.
0: Any good scoops on those texts you're getting?
1: You know, it's, I think it was actually Rick Tino there. I, I'm not sure what he's saying, I can check. Oh, nice, nice. i too busy talking to you. What's that? <laughs> I'm too busy talking to you. Uh, all right, well, I'll, I'll tweet that later.
0: <laughs> no worries. <laughs> um, by the way, just in getting back to the um, Seton Halls, they, they were on a three game pause, they missed a game with, with the Iona game, that canceled altogether. together. And of course, the other two Big East games, hopefully, will be, I believe, do they have makeup base for
1: those two games? Yeah, with St. John's and DePaul, and then, you know, obviously, originally, those were going to be forfeits, according to the Big East rule. But they, they now have a weird deal, Dave, where they're going to end up playing St. John's in a back-to-back January 22nd and 24th, first game at the Garden, and then the second game in Walsh Gym at Seton Hall, which only seats a couple thousand people, and hasn't had a big East game since 1985 so it's kind of a schedule quirk.
0: <laughs> there have been multiple reports that seen Hall has, has several I don't know if several is the word but at least more than one unvaccinated player and is first of all from what you know is that true and and I imagine that's is that part of what's led to maybe some of the longer um, quarantine loss isolation periods for some of these guys?
1: Yeah, that's a great point. I actually wrote a story off Big East Media Day in October where I happened to ask Miles Kale, who's a fifth year player, uh, if all the guys were vaccinated. And he was very frank with me and he said he was vaccinated, but some of his teammates were not. And that they had kind of discussed the risks associated with that. And it was interesting foreshadowing that was in October. You know, he said, We're aware of the risks and we hope everything works out. Um, And then here we are, whatever, a couple, three months later. They go into a COVID pause. I mean, Kevin's Willard has said, you know, Jared Roden had it. He's their best player. Bobiagu had it. Tyrese had it. You know, a couple of their coaches were missing. So they've had a bunch of guys have it. Um, it's, it's unclear which of those guys is vaccinated and which isn't. And it's also a weird deal, as you know, in the Big East, Dave, where all the St. John's players have to be vaccinated because they play in New York City at Madison Square Garden. So they're just like the Knicks and the Nets and the Rangers. All those guys have to be vaxxed. But the visiting players from Seton Hall and Yukon and the visiting NBA teams don't have to be vaxxed, which is kind of crazy. It just shows we don't have a, a national, you know, policy on this whole deal. And then you throw in, you know, the Kyrie thing is kind of weird because he is friends with Bryce Aiken, one of the Seton Hall guards. They both went to St. Pat's. Kyrie has come to at least three Seton Hall games. He's had to wear a mask because he's unvaccinated, but they let him in. He sat courtside, watched the games. But now starting uh, January 10th, uh, Newark is going to have a vaccine mandate. So Kyrie will not even be able to attend Seton Hall games or play for the Nets in Brooklyn. But he can play in Indianapolis on Wednesday and Portland on Monday. So the whole thing is crazy.
0: And in theory, if it doesn't start till January 10th, I guess he could be at the game on Saturday, right?
1: Yeah, I saw you tweeted that. And um, yeah, I mean, he's come to some big games. He was at the Villanova game. He's tight with Bryce. Um, You know, it's just kind of weird. It's like the guy shows up for games and then his team, the Nets, is playing a game that same night.
0: (laughs) Oh man, the whole thing's insane. It's crazy. Well, let's get to looking into Seton Hall a little bit. Jared Roden, you mentioned him, um, really emerged as one of the best players in the league this year. Struggled a little bit from the floor um, on who was in uh, at Butler. Not, but Seton Hall still got a pretty convincing victory. Still ended up with, I think, 17 points. But um, what's been the secret is this success this year. What makes him such a tough player?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> Kevin Willard said last night in his radio interview that he pulled Jared aside and had a good one-on-one chat with him and told him, look. I want you to shoot the ball a little more, be a little more aggressive. You know, I've seen you shoot it well in practice. And I think he was four of 12 last night, still had 17 points. Um, he, You know, he can shoot the three ball. He can shoot the – he's pretty good at that mid-range kind of pull-up elbow jumper shots. Um, and he's just a guy he has got a very – he's really bulked up his body this year. I saw him with his shirt off in preseason. He was very strong. You know, he'd obviously worked on his body. I saw him in high school once score 37 points on Anthony Simons, who's now with the Trailblazers in the NBA in a high school game. So he's always been able to score. He's a very, you know, articulate, thoughtful, smart kid. He's kind of become their alpha now in the post, you know, Sandro, Mamou, Kelishvili, uh, Miles Powell eras. And, you know, it shows on a bad night, a mediocre night, he could still score 17. And they have a very balanced team. But. You know, he is capable of scoring you know 25 points on a given night
0: and the aforementioned uh, friend of kyrie bryce aiken uh, the, the harvard transfer who really just injuries have really marred his whole co- collegiate career but i guess he's he's healthy this year at least now and playing really really well right
1: yeah it is really night and day dave with bryce's play from last year to this year and seton hall's play you know, last year to this year. I mean, last year, uh, they had Shabar Reynolds playing the point. He really was not a natural point guard. He was kind of a combo guard. Bryce was expected to be the backup and play a lot of minutes behind him. Um, you know, Shabar is now at Monmouth, which, you know, he's a great kid, but it kind of tells you what level he's at. And Bryce just dealt with he was coming off knee surgery and uh he's had he sprained his ankle a couple times last year, and he was just never right. And they really didn't have any backcourt point guard depth at all. They were playing Jahari Long, a freshman at the point. And he was just, you know, over his head. And now this year you've got Bryce fully healthy, running up and down the court, hitting threes. He had 22 points against Villanova. He had 12 and seven assists against Butler. And then they also have Kadari Richmond, you know, 6-5, Syracuse transfer at the point. And they can also play Jameer Harris at the point when they need to. So, He's got a very deep backcourt now. Yeah, and I uh, want to ask you about Kadari
0: Richmond. He's a guy that UConn had some interest in uh, through the transfer portal this past offseason. Obviously, ended up going to Seton Hall uh, from Syracuse. Seems like he, just looking at the numbers, hasn't really made a huge impact yet for the, for the Pirates.
1: No, I mean, it's funny because, you know, first of all, there's a whole backstory where, you know, Syracuse, the Syracuse coaches and Seton Hall coaches, I don't think, are – Going to be going out to any steak dinners anytime soon, and the, the Syracuse fans have a lot of fun with the Seton Hall fans about tampering and all that stuff. I mean, they got Torian Thompson from Syracuse, and of course, you know the Seton Hall got kind of a slap on the wrist when it was shown that uh, some of their coaches were talking to Torian's mom and all you know, hundreds of phone calls, and he transferred there, and then Kadari ends up transferring there, um, and Bayham kind of ripped him a little bit, saying he wasn't in shape and didn't play hard when he was at Syracuse. Hey, AIM will do Jim, that too, won't he? Well, he yeah. rips
0: his he rips guys to leave the program. It's weird.
1: Yeah. And then he kind of back uh, back walked it back and said Kadari will be an NBA player if he plays hard. And you know, Willard has said Kadari will be in the NBA. I mean, he is six five, six six point guard, so he's got the size for it. Um, he comes and goes it like against Butler in the first half, he had about eight points and Five or six assists, and four or five rebounds, and he's really making an impact. And then the second half, Bryce played most of the second half. So Kevin has that option. But yeah, Kaderi comes and goes, and I think he's still sort of finding his uh conditioning.
0: I guess I'm mispronouncing its name his name. It's not Kadari, it's Kaderi, that's how you pronounce it.
1: They said Kadari, Richmond, yeah.
0: Okay. And one one other guy I wanted to ask you about because we're familiar with him over here a little bit. He went to Putnam Science Academy and um Maybe
1: it's, maybe it's, I
0: don't know. I've heard it both ways. All right. well, I just have to write it. So, other than on, on podcasts, I don't know. How to it. Um, Alexis Yetna, we, we saw him at uh, USF playing against UConn, doing well against UConn. He's a kid who went to Putnam Science Academy, uh, kind of was bypassing the recruiting process by Kevin, Ile, Kevin Ollie and UConn, where he could have been a guy who would have really helped the program in those years. But um, I've always loved his game. He plays hard. He rebounds. He's just a kind of a lunch pail type of player. What's he I mean, he looks like he, particularly lately, he's been playing really well for Seton Hall too, right?
1: Yeah, he's been a huge addition. I mean, I'll confess, I really didn't see him much before he got to Seton Hall. I, I really didn't know too much about him. Um, I think he missed some time last year. Um, but they compare him to Angel Delgado, uh, you know, kind of a left-handed version of Angel Delgado, who was a huge force for for Seton Hall. You know, in the mid 2010s when they had Isaiah Whitehead and uh, Kadeen Carrington, uh, who won the Kareem Abdul Jabbar Award. Um, but he's been just a force, you know, at the four spot. When Ike was out, I think Yetna kind of had to play out of position a little bit at the five spot. Now Obiagu's back and Yetna can play the four. He had a double double, 14 and 10 against Butler. I think he's had four double doubles this year. Um, and then he and Trey Jackson, who's a transfer. From Missouri, who they list at 6'10, and is probably more like 6'8, 6'9, kind of been splitting the time at the four spot. But again, it's just uh, much deeper and more offensive options than they had last year.
0: Yeah, it almost seemed like they're they're too deep at almost every position. It, like I said, I really I really like this team when healthy and when it, when at full strength. Um, you think Seton Hall is a, is a team that could um, could win the Big East this year? I mean, certainly Villanova. There's been some chinks in the armor. UConn, when healthy, is as good as anybody. But um, I, I love Xavier too. But do you uh, do you see the Pirates as a as a real contender to uh, not only potentially win the Big East but being a a high seed for the tournament and maybe making some noise there too?
1: Yes, yes, I do. I think if they get if they get their guys back and they stay healthy. I mean, hopefully, you know, the deal with this is hopefully once you've had COVID, you don't you know, you're not out again for an extended second time. So hopefully they sort of get over this now. Um, and you know, they've again they've proven they beat Texas, they beat Michigan, they beat Rutgers. Um, they played close with Villanova and Providence without those guys. So obviously they got themselves in a hole, 0 and 2 to start the Big East. But you're playing 20 games. It's a long season. So I think they should. Comp- I mean, I think picking them fifth in the preseason. You know, I don't think people knew how good they could be. And I think that motivated the team, you know, still Villanova and and UConn when healthy are probably the favorites, but Seton Hall is going to be in the mix. I think the big East is going to get five, six, maybe seven teams in the tournament. I know the bracketology guys, Lunardi and DeCourcy and those guys have Seton Hall mostly at about a six seed right now, as they have UConn as a six. Most of those big East teams right now are five and six seeds, you know, Villanova, Ah, uh, UConn, Xavier, Seton Hall, but there's a long way to go, and um, you know I think a bunch of those teams can can make the second week.
0: No question, Zags. I wanted to ask you as as a New Jersey guy who who covers uh, the recruiting scene. We mentioned your your site, zagsbog.com. Um, what can you tell us about uh, Corey Floyd Jr.? We 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 haven't really seen him this year. Obviously, he's red We we got a sneak peek of him during a. Um, an open uh, scrimmage that they had, an inter-squad scrimmage back in like October, and he looked pretty good. But you can't take too much from that. I talked to Bob Hurley Sr. the other day in an, in an ill-fated podcast attempt, i uh, <laughs> ended up writing a story off. He was he was so good. He, he great stories. Some of the characters from Jersey City when he was growing up and things like that. It was awesome. He really he's really high on Corey Jr. Um, Kim said he can play both guard positions, very good defensive player. Did you see him a lot uh, in high school? And uh, w- what, if anything, can you tell him, tell us about Corey Jr.?
1: Yeah, I did see him in high school at Rose Catholic. I also saw him last summer at the Peach Jam where he was kind of part of this all-star team final team along with, um, you know, Derek Lively, who's going to Duke, and Ortega Owa from here in Jersey at Blair's going to Oklahoma. Um and, you know, I, I will just say it's an interesting kind of backstory that, you know, he had the choice, right, to play his senior year at Roosevelt Catholic, could have been maybe won a tournament of champions title in New Jersey for coach Dave Boff, um, could have maybe been in the mix to be a McDonald's All-American. And, you know, uh, the UConn staff led by Kamani Young, you know, reached out to the parents and basically offered this alternative path of, you know, do you want to come and, and reclass and and come here a year early and get get started and i think you know if you're coach boff you're the rozo catholic coach you know you're kind of wondering hey you know what am i losing? you know i'm losing somebody big here and i have a chance to to win big in jersey and also he you know there are going to be weekends when <clears throat> excuse me Roseau catholic is you know playing big games at like the hoopall classic or whatever playing on espn and Corey's, you know, on the bench uh, supporting his teammates or, you know, not playing. And would he regret that decision at all? I did speak to Corey in August when I reported that he was reclassing. And um, he said he wasn't, you know, he said he would always sort of wonder about trying to win a, a TOC, but he was trying to look ahead and, and not worry about the past. And I th- think acting Peach Jam this summer, which is the biggest crown jewel in the summer circuit... You know, he was like, hey, I've kind of accomplished what I what I can. I'm ready to go to college. Um, that being said, you know, he is a, you know, six foot five strong, powerful you know, guard can play both positions. Um, you know, I'm sure Coach Hurley said good things about him. He's you know, he can speak to it as well as anyone. Um, I you know, I think you, you make a trade off there where you go to UConn and you train and you practice. You have a college, you know, weight, you know, weights and trainers and a diet and all that, and that's gonna help him uh, prepare for, for next season in college where where he would have been coming out of high school and maybe wouldn't have been as physically strong. Sorry
0: for yeah. all these texts. Tech- yeah, man, you're a popular guy. Those are all yours. your your dings, none, none of them are mine. Uh, again, all the texts this morning or this afternoon. Um, but yeah, no, like I said, Bob Senior really couldn't speak highly of him I more highly of him. Really good kid. Comes from good stock, too. I, re- I remember um, watching his father play at Providence. And, of course, his father played a U-ball with both Bob and Danny Hurley. Um, Were uh, road roadrunners, I believe, the name team was called? So um, it'll be fun to see what Corey Floyd Jr. does over the next uh, few years at UConn. How about any – obviously, UConn's hit the, the jersey market really well in the recruiting uh, – you know, recruiting-wise. Uh, who do they have their eyes on now in that area? Do you know?
1: Well, I would just say they've done a good job of kind of uh, stealing Seton Hall's, you know, lunch money here on a couple guys. I mean, Adama Sanogo, um, you know, that was a big get for them. You know, Kevin Willard, Willard really wanted Adama. There were some other schools in there, I think Nebraska and Maryland. Um, and, you know, he ended up going to UConn. And, you know, that was a tough deal for, for Kevin and his staff, especially Adama played at the Patrick School, where, you know, so many you know, Grant Billmeyer, who's the associate head coach at Seton Hall, went there. Kyrie went there. Bryce Aiken went there. Jameer Harris went there. So, um, you know, I'm not sure Kevin has fully gotten over that and, you know, doesn't, doesn't love the, uh, Patrick school coaches for letting that happen.
0: Oh, really? I was going to ask you if you had a backstory to that, because I know that talking to, um, the Patrick school coach, I believe, uh, you know, at, at some point during that time, maybe April or so. Um, he, he had said that Or actually, no, I think I think a- afterwards we find out that that Adam had basically made up his mind. He was going to Seton Hall and then like a week or two later. He's talking to us after his, after committing to UConn, so that that happened kind of quickly there, right?
1: Yeah, Um sorry. I'm just trying to get these guys to stop texting. Um? Yeah, he made up his mind that that went down pretty abruptly, you know, as I recall that summer. And I think, you know, I don't think uh, I don't think the relationship, honestly, between Seton Hall and the Patrick School has, has been the same ever since. Mm. Um, Interesting. You know, but and so they got him and then they got, you know, obviously, R.J. Cole played for Bob Senior at St. Anthony's, he's a Jersey guy. Um, Jalen Gaffney's a Jersey guy. Samson Johnson, who everybody's really high on. I know. I know both Bob and Danny think he's a future pro. So that's, what, five Jersey guys, include Corey Floyd. Um, And, you know, the interesting thing, I actually did a big story for the Star-Ledger in the fall just kind of about all these top Jersey guys, recruits, who are going to other schools and not going to Rutgers or Seton Hall. Like, you know, there's half a dozen class of 22 guards in New Jersey going to high major schools. One of them, Jaquan Harris, who Jameer's brother, is going to Seton Hall, but the others are going to places like Oklahoma and Georgetown. And then you got younger classes like DJ Wagner's the number one player in the country at Camden High School in the class of 2023. You know, nobody thinks he's going to Seton Hall or Rutgers. He's going to go to Kentucky or Memphis or something. Um, you know, Naz Cunningham is a wing from uh, Gil St. Bernard's. He's number one in the country. And. 2024, he has visited Rutgers and Seton Hall, but he's going to have you know Duke and Kentucky and whoever he wants. So uh, it's it's sort of been the storyline of New Jersey recruiting for as long as I've been here that all these top kids, you know, Kyrie Irving, Carl Anthony Towns, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist, leave the state for the Dukes and Kentuckys of the world. Yet Seton Hall is still winning, right? I mean, they've been to four NCAA tournaments under Kevin Willard. They're going to go this year. Rutgers uh, would have been to two straight NCAA tournaments without getting these kids, so they're able to get guys who want to play for them, and that's really as important as anything, right? You got to have guys who want to play for you. And Kevin Willard has done, has gotten guys like a Miles Powell, who was a three-star recruit, was kind of a chubby kid coming into Seton Hall because he had uh, an injury, and he turned into the Big East Player of the Year. You know, Sandrew Mamukelishvili from Montverde. You know from georgia the republic of georgia nobody knew who he was going to be when kevin got him and now he's in the nba playing for, with the bucks and practicing against Giannis every day so you know kevin has gotten players and, and steve Peichel's gotten players at Rutgers too um despite you know all these guys leaving the state
0: yeah right no question Seton hall as as you mentioned earlier um very good team this year i'm, I'm pretty high on him and uh have a very good season Zags, I want to switch gears real quick here. Uh, any, uh, we know you're a big music fan, uh, big Eagles guy. I'll, I'll, I'll let that slide. I mean, I, I, I like the Eagles, but I'm not, you know, not a huge fan.
1: Yeah.
0: You and I share a lot of the same tastes. Any, have, now, have you been back to any shows? Uh, did you get to a lot of shows this summer or even recently? Or, I,
1: I can confess now that um, my wife and I were supposed to go to Mexico this weekend for the playing in the sand, which is John Mayer and the dead. Um, we're going to do three shows and five nights in Cancun. I would have missed the Yukon game. I had somebody set to cover it for me for the star ledger. And then the COVID thing broke loose. Actually bill Kreutzman, one of the dead drummers announced he was not going to go, but they're huh. still doing the shows, but you know, you just don't want to be traveling to Mexico right now in the middle of this. My wife is actually <clears throat> kind of bummed. She wanted to be on the on the beach dancing to the Grateful Dead and staying in Cancun. Um, but we're going to have to wait till 2023 20, for that.
0: Wow. That um, would have been nice. That would have been nice.
1: Yeah, I would have sent you a postcard from Cancun while you were in Newark. Um, and then <laughs> I would say my daughter and I, my daughter Grace is 17. We've been going through a big, um, you know, country music kind of phase of like, Tyler Childers and Chris Stapleton and Zach Bryan, um, Morgan Wallen, even though I know he's a controversial dude. But uh, I'm kind of digging a lot of this. You know, there there's a lot of bad, crappy country music out there, but there is some some really talented up and coming guys. Like if you don't know about Tyler Childers and, um, you know, of course, Chris Stapleton, I, I highly recommend those guys to everybody.
0: I'll check them out. I'll give them a shot. You know, you mentioned uh, you know sending the postcard from Mexico and uh, from, from from you know from a great rock and roll show. It was like March, maybe what seventh or eighth, twenty twenty. I get a text from you. You're at a sold out <laughs> Madison Garden with a certain UConn assistant coach, Tom Moore, big Almond Brothers fan, which I didn't realize until recently, um, but a huge Almond Brothers fan. You guys are at the Almond Brothers show that night, correct? again this is like march 7th right just before everything hit the fan
1: a couple days later the world
0: changes we were everything closes down what's
1: that i didn't know we were outing that tom moore was with me but he was yes
0: oh i thought uh i i think i've mentioned that before but um hopefully he won't mind um but uh yeah but you guys and i don't know if well let me know if you're willing did you did you get sick after that yourself
1: yeah, it's, I, you know, looking back, it all made a lot of sense. I mean, I, you know, I, first of all, I saw the Allman Brothers 75 or 80 times at the Beacon Theater in New York. Uh, I was there for their last show ever in 2014. And then obviously, you know, Greg and a bunch of the band members died. Um, so, yeah, Tom and I went to this. Uh, it was a tribute to the Allman Brothers with Warren Haynes and Derek Trucks. And it was, you know, 20,000. Unmasked people at Madison Square Garden. I think it was March 9th. It was the night before the Big East tournament started in 2020. Nobody had a mask on because nobody was wearing masks then. And then I was at the Big East, obviously, the next two days. By Thursday, I was kind of afraid to go back there because I just felt something wasn't right. Uh, That Wednesday night, they canceled the NBA season. That Friday, my family and I got into a car and left the city and went to the Jersey Shore and just got out of here. And like a week later, I started getting a really bad, really bad cough and headaches and fever. And the cough was the worst part. I couldn't have a conversation without coughing. And I was like patient zero in uh, Avalon, New Jersey with with COVID. Um, And it lasted a couple of weeks. I wrote a big story about it in the ledger. And then, you know, kind of by mid-late April, I was over it. But I was one of the first people that, uh, you know, most of my family and friends and a lot of people knew, who got it. And obviously I I had been at Madison square garden two or three days in a row before that. And I ended up getting texts and stuff from other, like an usher, a long time usher at Madison square garden, who does the basketball games and concerts who also got sick at that time. So I think it was just a huge, uh, breeding ground for the virus.
0: Yeah. Crazy. you know, the funny thing is I was at UConn played Tulane the previous weekend, so I was literally on Bourbon Street on, like, March 5th. I actually didn't even go into any of the bars because I wasn't – I was just kind of solo. I was just walking up and down, just taking the scene in. But every, it was jam-packed with people. And, of course, New Orleans was, was got hit hard soon after that. And actually, right around the same time you got sick, I ended up feeling really ill, coughing and high fever and everything. I got tested and actually tested negative at the time. But um, I have since had the virus uh, after, since then uh, But but um, yeah, well, that was a, those are crazy times. We're still going through those times, man, but hopefully, um, I don't know, hopefully we, we, there's a light at the end of the tunnel, I guess, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, the good news seems to be that a lot of people are vaccinated, and if you get vaxxed and boosted, you know, you're much less likely to have serious symptoms, as all the doctors say, um, and I think if you've had it already, like, like I've had and you've had and you, you have antibodies in your system... And on top of that, you get boosted. Um, you know, it seems like your risk of getting it another time are, are much lower.
0: How about Ultimate Frisbee? Still playing?
1: My team won our Summer League uh, Ultimate Championship in the Westchester Summer League. Last year at SUNY Purchase, we went 20-2. and two. Um, And it was really one of the most fun experiences I had. I was like the of the older guys out there on my team playing with a lot of younger players but we had a nice mix of really uh co-ed some really good men and women and uh good spirit and we won the whole thing so my friends will tell you that's uh you know on my my gravestone on my tombstone we're gonna have uh, how many summer league titles i won (laughs)
0: there you go zags let's wrap it up uh again saturday noon at the Rock, UConn, Seton Hall. We hope, we think, we think it's going to happen. If it does, what's uh, what are your keys to the game for both teams? What does Seton Hall have to do? It's tougher to answer for UConn because we're expecting possibly them to be down a player or two. We don't know even which, know which players. Um, but uh, what, what's the key to victory for both teams?
1: Well, I mean, obviously, if you know if, if UConn is down a few guys and they haven't played since what December twenty first, that's yep. What's that? About twenty days?
0: Yeah, two and a half weeks. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, and and like all these coaches are saying, it's 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 very hard. You know, the guys are rusty coming out of quarantine and stuff. Uh, Danny did seem okay. to say Adama was was likely going to be cleared. Do we we know about that yet?
0: Well, Adama did play in at the, Mar- in the Marquette game. He limited minutes. Played thirteen minutes. wasn't great. It was, it was okay, but really got winded towards the end. So he he's been on a minutes restriction is part of the reason why he's kind of was considered one of their unhealthy players when they um had to cancel the two couple of games over the past week um dan had said that he thinks that by saturday adama could be pretty much back to full strength full health depending on what kind of um workouts he's been able to do over the past couple of weeks um whether he's been limited still by the abdominal injury or even um we don't even know his covet status to be honest with you so um But long story short, yeah, Adama will be back most likely, and um, it sounds like he'll be pretty close to full strength.
1: Yeah, I mean, so obviously one key is, you know, how much he's able to play and and how fit he is. I'm sure he wants to play. It's in New Jersey, went to high school there. I'm sure he's going to have people he knows at the game. You know, who else UConn has available? And then, you know, there there are going to be a lot of matchups UConn's going to have to deal with there between Jared Roden and Bryce Aiken in the backcourt, and then, you know, Yetna's is a tough cover. He's a lefty. Can score in a bunch of different ways. If they have Ike and Tyrese, uh, that's a lot of size—six ten and seven two in the paint. And uh, you know, I know UConn does have a bunch of bunch of big guys—Polly and Whaley and Adama. Um, you know, all those guys are a bunch of them would have to be able to play and be fit and and defend Seton Hall's front court. Should be you know, fun, I, man. I think Seton Hall. You know they're going to be motivated to. You know they're playing at home after losing a few, and then going on the road to Butler. I think they're going to be motivated to come out and play well. Yeah. No.
0: It should be good. It should be fun. It should be even better than being at uh, in Cancun watching John Mayer in the dead. I think. Uh, I think it's going to be fun on Saturday afternoon if the game does happen. Adam Zagari, man, great talking to you as always.
1: All right, Dave. Thanks, buddy. Stay safe.
0: We'll we'll see you on Saturday.
1: All right. Take care. All right. See ya.